Hi, my friends, and welcome to From Here to There. In this podcast, I'm going to be sharing about the lives of many people throughout history and people alive today that God has worked through in order to bring increase and influence of His kingdom here on earth. But in this first series, I'm really looking forward to sharing with you my story, how God was able to take me from powerless to powerful and from the nest to the nations. I really believe that as you listen, God is going to give you keys to moving forward toward your God destiny. So let's get started with this week's message. Last week, I shared with you about the role of the Holy Spirit in moving us forward toward the calling He has for us. There was an inner working in me that had to take place in order to prepare me for what He wanted to do through me. This inner working builds our character, and our character is what keeps us stable in the challenges that come as we move forward with the Lord. You know, anything in forward motion is going to have friction, and so there will be challenges, but our strong character will make us immovable and will keep us steady and focused on what He's called us to do. Philippians 2.13, I love this in the Amplified. And it says, not in your own strength, for it is God who is all the while effectually at work in you, energizing and creating in you the power and desire both to will and to work for his good pleasure and satisfaction and delight. So I love that. It says God in us is going to energize us and create not only power to do his will, but also give us the desires. The Holy Spirit is the passion and desire for the things of God. He's the one that motivates us and gets us ready and moving toward the things God has with eagerness, but he also is the one who empowers us to do the will of God. So God has a long-term lifetime plan for each one of us, and as we are faithful with a little, he will entrust us with more. You're probably familiar with the parable in Matthew 25, the parable of the talents. And in this parable, the master was leaving and he entrusted his servants, three of his servants, with talents. A talent was a New Testament unit of money. And according to my research, one talent was a huge amount of money, either equal to $1,000, one commentary said, or 6,000 times a day's wage. And so this was a large sum that the master entrusted these servants with. To one he gave five talents, to one he gave two, and to another one, and the Bible says he gave to each according to their own ability. So here I'm going to pick up from Matthew 25 in verse 16, where it says, Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five talents more with him, saying, Lord, you gave me five, and I've gained five more. And the Lord said, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. 
And in the same way, the one who received two talents came and said, Lord, you gave me two, and I have gained two more talents besides. And the Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Verse 24, Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, here you have what is yours. But the Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, where at my coming I would have received back my own with some interest. So the first thing that I like to note from this parable is that no matter what your ability is, you have equal power to multiply what you've received. The one that received two could multiply it into four and multiply the four into eight and multiply the eight into 16. There's no limit to the increase we can have if we will invest what we have. We also notice that for the faithful ones, that invested, part of the reward was the joy of being in the will and plan of the master. But for the one servant whose view of the master was that he was harsh and hard, and this one says, I was afraid to do anything. I was afraid to do the wrong thing. So I just hid your money to give it back to you. The response in the parable is that that was wicked, lazy, and unprofitable. Our God, you see, desires that we value the things he has given us, one, and two, that we bring increase with what he's given us. Our God is a God of increase. And so the response in verse 28 of the master was this, take the talent from the one who had one and give it to the one who has 10. Now, most people would look at that, especially in today's, uh, socialist view of everything and say that was totally wrong and unfair. Verse 29, it says, for to everyone who has more will be given and he will have an abundance, but from him who does not have even what he has will be taken away. I like how the passion puts it. Actually, this is in the notes of the passion. It says the one who has the heart of a faithful stewardship will be given more to manage. And the one who has very little faithfulness, wisdom, and integrity will lose the little he has failed to manage well. And so that is more accurately what the Lord is saying, is that you have a responsibility over the things God has given you. And if you manage them well, you will bring increase not only to yourself, but to the kingdom of God. And if you fail to manage them well, what God has even given you will be wasted and not profitable. Another thing I want to point out is that this chapter, Matthew 25, is immediately following the chapter 24, where Jesus is talking about when he is going to come back. And so these talents, to me, represent our callings. What are we going to do with what he has entrusted to us? We can accurately apply this parable to our time, as Jesus is coming back soon, to what we are doing with what he's given us to bring increase in the kingdom of God in this 
very critical time of harvest. So you may not feel powerful or even called, but I ask you, what do you have? Put what you have to use. Be faithful and surely God will multiply what you give. Don't be afraid because God is good and he's a patient master and he wants to help us learn and grow as we serve him. When we are faithful, we do grow. And when we grow, the kingdom grows. And we are always entrusted with more when we've been faithful with what God has given us. You know, in my lifetime of ministry, I've had many people come and help us in the Bible schools in different capacities. And one thing I've seen happen over and over again is someone will come in, bring whatever gifts they have, serve with a true heart, and they never leave the way they came in. God will always multiply what you give him and give it back to you so that it will carry you into the next level. Now, at the time of my life that I've been talking about, before I went on the mission field, I was involved with the church. I worked with children. I did bookkeeping and worked with finances. I was a worship leader. I led outreaches. All of these different ministries that I participated in and even my secular job were training and proving grounds for what God had prepared for me. All this time, that seed for the world that I shared about was growing in my heart. And the times in his presence and the choices I made to obey him were what was watering that seed. As the nations grew in my heart, I told you that I asked my pastor if I could lead the missions, and I also started a mission prayer group. I communicated with our missionaries, and all of these steps toward mission finally resulted in a desire and a leading to go to mission school. Now, through our connections, I heard of a three-month mission school in Tulsa called Damata, and I set my heart to go but it was not an easy process. I'm telling you, it felt like pressure as, you know, if you have you ever pulled like a big dandelion from your garden and you don't want to break the root. So you tug on it and you wiggle it and you loosen it. And maybe you dig down with your fork and you try to get it loose and then you wiggle it some more. That is exactly how my life felt at that time. God was loosening me from my comfort zone, from this place in my church that had been so much protection and safety to me after losing my husband. And I had no intention of moving to the nations, although I did have them in my heart and I had them before my eyes, but I was thinking I would be prepared to lead teams from our church. And so with the approval of my pastor and the favor of many other people who helped me, I eventually packed up and rented my house just for three months and took my two youngest sons in a car, our car packed to the completely to the ceiling with my keyboard, with a whole desktop computer, our clothes, my youngest son's pet frog. We had everything in there. We made the 15 hour drive to Tulsa And we stayed there with my daughter, who was in between her two years at Ramah. So my pastor had even let me keep my job and had given me work that I could do while I was gone. And so that summer, even though I had work to do for the church, I had 
a mission school to go to half a day. It was like a gift to me after all the stress and work of the previous five years. I was able to just focus on the Lord and spend time with my children. We explored the area. We went on outings. We visited different churches. And after a quick three months, that time was over, and we headed back to Colorado and life as usual, or so we thought. At that time, my sons were in the 12th grade and the 5th grade, and I didn't even consider doing anything while my one son was a senior. And so I went back to work full-time at the church and was ready to just go back to life as normal. But something terrible happened, and that was that I felt the Lord telling me to stop playing music on the worship team and in the outreach. And it might sound funny to you, but to me, that was like the most horrible request he could ever ask of me because it was my very favorite thing to do. And in fact, it had almost become my identity. It also involved all the people that were nearest to me. And so what I felt like God was asking me to do that, it was really a difficult decision and a huge sacrifice. It was almost like God asking Abraham for Isaac, Because I was saying, Lord, you gave me this ministry. This is your ministry. Why would you take it away? And yet, as hard as it was, I was obedient. And this made me feel like I was in a very different place in the church. You see, God tests our hearts sometimes to see who or what we love the most. Hebrews says he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So he's never doing this to hurt us, but he does do it to purify us. I remember clearly one night after I made that decision when I was leading mission prayer at the church and I had an inner vision. In Matthew 24, 36, Jesus said that no one would know the hour or time of his return, but only the Father. Well, in this vision, I saw the father and he was waiting and he was listening for a sound, but it was also like a fragrance. And when the pitch of the sound or the aroma was just right, then he would know it was time. Immediately, what came to mind was Revelation 5, 8 through 10, which says, now when He had taken the scroll, the four living creatures, and 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and you have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And you have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. And I realized that what I was seeing in this inner vision was that worship was the harps and the incense, the fragrance was the prayers of the saints. You know, in the Old Testament, there was a particular mix of spices that were used for the incense, and they were all measured out exactly. And in this picture, the Lord was showing me he would know the time was right when he heard the worship and the prayers in every tongue. Then he would know the gospel had been preached in every nation and that it was time for Jesus to come back. And in my heart, he said to me, silly girl, did you think I would take this worship away from you? 
No, you will take it to the nations. You will release that sound in the nations. I remember then another time in prayer when he showed me myself, it was another mini vision, as a ship sailing out on the waters. And he said, with a slight adjustment of your sail, the wind will carry you. And then he showed me the adjustment was, I would no longer be pursuing worship with the nations in my heart, but I would be pursuing the nations with worship in my heart. You know, I'm sharing these things to encourage you that God will lead you forward as you pray and worship him in the spirit. My journals are full of scriptures, revelation, prophecy, dreams, visions that the Lord used to guide me in positioning and in the timing of my call. And I'm sure that he's doing that for you too. And sometimes you may not even realize it until you look back and you see how he has directed you in so many ways by prompting you, by reminding you, by putting something before your eyes. But in spite of all the supernatural things that he was speaking to me, it was a very difficult time for me. When I got back from Damata and when he told me not to play music anymore, I literally felt like a square peg trying to fit into a round hole. Something was just different in me, and I didn't fit in my old place any longer. And it really was so painful because I wanted everything to stay the same. I, I loved my life the way it was. I loved the ministry I had in worship. I loved the position I had in the church. I loved the relationships that I had. And there was no reason for me to want to change it. And so it was a difficult time. And it was a time of transition. Transitions are times between two seasons of your life, and there will be many of them. But as a mom, as a mother, I think of transition in relation to childbirth. You see, God is growing something inside of you, and it is progressive. So one season of life is walked into and is filled with your obedience and with the glory of God, then that little that you've been entrusted with, that you've been faithful with, promotes you to a new season where there's a new thing planted. And so God is growing something new inside of you. And just like a pregnancy, at first, nobody else can see it. But you know it's there and you are protecting it and nourishing it. But after a while, just like a pregnant mom, it becomes evident and others can begin to see it in you. And yet it's still not time for the birth of that new thing. In fact, if a baby is born too early, it's likely to have a very trying time at best or even die. But when the time for birth has come, major changes take place in your body. The first stage of labor is marked by excitement and anticipation. Finally, it's time. The baby's coming. The second stage requires serious focus and concentration. But then comes the transition. And any of you who have experienced natural childbirth know what transition is like. We could say all hell breaks loose. I mean, you decide you don't want to do this after all. There is confusion. There is an inability to focus. And so that's what spiritual transition can feel like. But if you feel like you're in a spiritual transition, take heart 
Because just like childbirth, it means it's almost time for this new thing to come forth. I'm going to pick this up next week, and I'm going to talk about how that new vision for the nations actually was birthed in my life. But for now, here are takeaways from this week. First of all, God has entrusted you with something now to take care of and to grow. What is it? Second of all, faithfulness with a little will always lead to more in the kingdom of God. Number three, transitions take place between seasons and they are never comfortable times. But number four, the Holy Spirit will help to guide you through these times if you are listening. So now I would like to pray for you. Father, I thank you that you are so careful to watch over us and to lead us and guide us through these seasons of our life. Father, I pray for everyone who is listening that they would be found faithful with the beginning things that you've given them, that they wouldn't despise the small things, but that they would be faithful over the little so that you can entrust them with more. Lord, I know that your plan on the earth depends on all of us hearing direction from you and being obedient to that direction, however small. So teach us, Lord, to hear your voice. Make us sensitive to your Holy Spirit and help us to be faithful with little so you can entrust us with more. For those of my friends that are in a transition time, I just speak peace to them. I thank you, Lord, that they are in you, that you are with them, you are guiding them, and that you have a good plan for them. And so as they recognize the time they're in, they can know that your hand is upon them and you're going to smoothly transition them from where they were to where they're going as they put their trust in you. So thank you for listening this week. It's my joy to share my life and some of the treasures the Lord has taught me with you. And I pray that it has blessed you and helped you and that you are encouraged that Jesus is with you. His Holy Spirit is guiding you. I will be back with you next week and share this episode with someone if it's been a blessing to you. Thanks for listening today. I pray you were blessed and encouraged. One of my life scriptures is Hebrews 11.1 in the Jordan translation. It says, Now faith is the turning of dreams into deeds. It is betting your life on unseen realities. In Jesus Christ, you have what it takes to step into all God has prepared for you. If this episode's blessed you, please share it with someone else. I look forward to meeting with you again next week.